Welcome to the Nash Biz Podcast, a podcast specifically for business owners in Nashville, Tennessee. Whether you're seeking the best strategies for scaling your business, networking opportunities, or just plain old entertainment, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the show. What is up, everybody? My name is Brady Morgan. I am one of the hosts of the Nash Biz Podcast with my business partner and co-host, John Trusty. Today, we have a really special guest, Taylor Duncan. He is the COO at Next Level here in Nashville, staffing for some of the biggest names in gaming and technology. Taylor, what's going on, man? Not too much. How are you doing, Brady? Good, man. Good. I appreciate you coming on. So that was a very short snippet. I know you sent a little bit longer bio, but let's assume that to introduce yourself to my audience, we're on an elevator. 412 going down to 401. You got about 30 seconds to introduce yourself to me in full. What would you say? First thing I would say is tell me about yourself. I'm always more curious to know you than tell you about me. Tell me quickly about you, Brady. Yeah. So host of Nashville's podcast, CEO and one of the founders at an overseas staffing agency. And how old is your kid? Eight months old. And that right there starts a lot of conversations. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Congra- and, and that's, you know, if we're in an elevator, that's, that's more or less what I would try to do is probably get yeah. to know you. And uh, so you have an eight month old, which is fantastic, but I know you want my elevator pitch. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm a father of five kids, a Chicagoland native. I'm one year in actually yesterday was my one year anniversary of my move to Nashville with my amazing wife and five children. Uh, she is a nurse at the middle school here in Brentwood. Um, five kids, Chicagoland native. Let's see, big sports background in myself personally. Like you said, I run now a technology staffing company, mostly engineering and product related. Part of that for about 20 years, ran a company where I took college students and more or less taught, trained, and funded them entrepreneurship for their summer job, if you will, painting houses. So did that across the entire country with about a thousand uh, salespeople or students uh, every year. Um, strong man of faith, attend Brentwood Baptist Church down here and have launched Founders Live. I'm the city leader, myself and Shane, who runs Next Level with me. He's the CEO. Uh, we run Founders Live, which is a pitch event, pitch competition, if you will, but it's really just a fun, I think like frat party for entrepreneurship uh, every couple of months here in Nashville for the uh, startup seed stage businesses. Love it. Love it. No, so you're involved in a lot, not just professionally, but also personally. Let's dive into the next level. Why, why gaming and technology, especially gaming? I mean, that's that's an industry you don't really see companies saying, yeah, we staff for the gaming industry. Why? Right. Yeah. It, that was to some extent to use the uh, business the business buzzword of pivot, right? That was a pivot um, during COVID. When COVID hit, and I wasn't even really running next level, but I've helped expand it and grow it significantly. But it was when we were in the tech space or the engineering space, um, all of a sudden COVID hits. And in many ways, you know, you might have experienced this. There was kind of this like hiring freeze of like, holy crap, what's going to happen? Maybe I should not hire anyone. Let's just hold hold tight. Well, that happened in a lot of spaces in like the business world, if you will. Well, one industry that really exploded was gaming. And 
a little bit of clients came to us through happenstance and a little bit was uh, very intentional of, hey, that's an industry that money is being poured into during COVID, during the quote unquote lockdown in the beginning, you know, during 2020. And so you start bringing on these, these gaming uh, studios as clients and our methodology of staffing is very much executive search, even at the, you know, relatively entry level or mid-level roles. And so that, that played really well in the gaming space. So it was a matter of learning a little bit new, um, I don't want to say technology as much as new, you know, infrastructure of a gaming studio versus a software company. But once we did that, we were able to deliver pretty quickly and have brought on some huge names in gaming and probably have two dozen gaming studios that we are uh, currently staffing for. What kind of positions? So you said engineers. And so it's basically game developers that you're placing with some of these companies. So at the, at, whether it's a, a, Technology company or it's a gaming studio, engineering is kind of the, the basic, right? So engineering is like the entry for us. So we'll do all sorts of engineers, developers at the gaming studio, like a gameplay engineer, even an audio engineer, whatever, engineering. And then we do the same thing at a technology company, senior software engineers, et cetera. But in the game space, you know, you'll get into designers and you'll get into art roles and so we've started taking on a lot of art roles, design roles, um, outside of just the engineering, and then all the way through the leadership of a gaming studio. I would say the probably the eh, yeah probably the majority of it though is still going to fall under the quote unquote engineering category at the gaming studio developers, you know, gameplay programmers, etc. Yeah, no, we're so we're currently building out the ability to staff oversee software developers. And it's difficult because technology is a space that's rapidly growing. Um, so people te- seem to have more uh, specific needs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very much so. So it was so it's difficult, but it's de- definitely needed, especially with where the world's going. But you mentioned before that word pivot, which is kind of a buzzword, like you mentioned in yeah. entrepreneurship. What are those struggles you've endured? Because as you make pivots, you know, yes, it's a great idea because you're making that pivot for a reason, but you're obviously going to have to go over some hurdles. Um, a lot of the struggles are working with and dealing with the customer's struggles because we're staffing, right? So we work with the customer and in the gaming space, if a certain game that they launch for whatever reason hits a roadblock, doesn't raise the, the funding it needed to. And all of a sudden they overnight turn off five or seven of their roles. We have to make sure that we have the ability to turn those roles off and not affect our daily output. Right. Um, so we're dealing with in many ways, whatever our customers or clients are facing. So that's why it is good. And, and y'all learn this in, uh, you know, entry-level business school, it's like that diversified portfolio of right. all you have is people in gaming, then you are really at the, the mercy of gaming. If it's exploding, you're exploding. But if it's contracting, well, then you're facing with contraction in some ways. So that's why it's good to have, you know, we have some e-commerce companies and we have gaming studios and we have um, robotics companies and we have, mm-hmm. you know, so on and so forth. I mean, video streaming platforms, et cetera. So that it, you're, you know, able to, when a gaming studio says pause for a bit, that's, it's okay for us internally. We, 
survive and even can can move forward pretty easily by doing so. So that's always a challenge is we are faced with whatever our clients are faced with. Right. And they, they get faced with all different kinds of challenges. Right. How are we all affected um, <clears throat> with COVID-19 and, and the kind of big move to remote work? Um, I can answer that like 30 ways. So it's been amazing. <laughs> it's been awesome in the staffing space because now if, if you were to come to us and say, hey, I need a, you know, an AI programmer and they have to live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I'm based, Woof, that is not, <laughs> there are not a lot of AI programmers in Baton Rouge. And I'll tell you, telling someone, pitching someone from Silicon Valley to move to Baton Rouge is a strange conversation to have. It can happen, but it is difficult. And so you're really, really looking for diamonds in the rough. When people go remote, it makes it easier for us to find people. It opens up the, the net, if you will, or widens the scope. Now, how were we affected? We're in Nashville because of COVID. COVID was a driving force for me to be here. It was a driving force for Shane, who's our CEO, to move next level here, which is what eventually put the two of us together to blow it up, to launch our Nashville um, headquarters, which you know we went from just him and I to now there's 14 people and we're always looking for more and more and more recruiters. And we can we have more clients than we know what to do with or could have, you know, plenty. So COVID has been a great thing. It's what's brought us to Nashville, brought us to a place that has allowed for business to get back to work sooner than a lot of places. It has also given us the opportunity to be able to work with clients in Seattle, clients in Canada, recruit people in Europe, recruit people in Asia, um, which in many ways they're, they're coming back to the US, but it opens up a lot of doors. So in, in, I would say in the majority, it has been beneficial but last year, there was that challenge for a few months, primarily in Q2 of like pivot, get into gaming, do some other roles, um, re-engage with customers that maybe we hadn't worked with. You know, yep. That's why I think in general, in the B2B space, the customer service has increased through COVID. Mm-hmm. Although I would make a strong argument. I got this actually from my sister. The B2C space, I feel like customer service is terrible. It's like gotten so much worse since COVID began because it's almost like it's almost like the business has become so entitled to be like, well, there's plexiglass in front of us. I'm not going to hand anything in your hands. I'm going to put it on the floor and you pick it up because we're not supposed to touch or be near each other. And all of a sudden, business, you know, they can blame everything on supply chain. So we're just out of every product. It's supply chain problems. And the B2C customer service has been horrible, but B2B has only increased, mm-hmm. which is, you know. That we're in the B two B space, so yeah, no. So so y'all moved to Nashville, as did a lot of people, and still mm-hmm. moving here. A lot of yep. businesses, uh, and there's tons of staffing and recruiting companies in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So how does Next Level differentiate from those and stand out? Even though you're in the gaming, you're in the technology space, I imagine there are other companies that do similar things. How do you mm-hmm. guys stand out? We're just way cooler. Um, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, it's the approach that we take of executive search, no matter what level we're searching for. So it is a very, very targeted approach Mm -hmm. when, and you had mentioned earlier, you said, you know, people really want a very specific need. I think 
in general staffing recruiting companies, maybe this is the old way of doing it, or this is how everyone does it. It's not how we do is grab as many resumes as you can, scoop them up off of Indeed and hand them over and say, here's 30, you choose what you like. We're going to be a far, far lower volume. We're going to bring you three, but of those three, all three are going to really hit the target. Yep. Um, and you're going to pick one and hire that one person. And if not, through those first three, there's going to be an extreme amount of calibration between the client and us. Because we very much feel like we partner with our clients and the hiring manager real closely to know exactly what they want, down to culture fit, technology stack, game that they worked on. If someone wants an MMO, we're not going to bring them someone who's only worked on a first-person shooter that's not MMO. Like that, and that can happen a lot. Is hey, look at this person; they have Unreal Engine Four experience, so you should want them. It's like no, we want a very specific niche of a first-person shooter and this art style. And so we go after those people very specifically. Um, so yeah, it's just a way more targeted. And that's where the phraseology of headhunter, right? A very, very specific kind of sniper mm-hmm. approach to it. That's how we do it. And that to me, I think is our biggest differentiator. That and we're just way cooler. Way cooler. <laughs> I, always, I always feel like it's a cop out when the staffing and recruiting agencies just, like you said, lump a big pile of job listings off indeed or another job board and, and send it over. And just because they're working with that company, if they place that person, they're, they're getting paid. I never, never thought that was a good, a good model, kind of overwhelming for the, the person that the company that's staffing. Yep. So yeah, it's a, it's a terrible model. I mean, if I'm, if I work at company XYZ general motors or whatever, or Nissan here, I can post a job on, on uh, indeed. I know how to do that. So yeah. Our approach is very much to the reason they come to us and they pay us extra money and so on is to be very specific hunters for them and to find them people they can't find on their own. Right. And that's, again, that's why we do what we do and we're very customer obsessed, which is what allows for us to grow pretty easily and really to be more at the point of turning customers away currently, which is why we are really looking to bring on more people here personally. Well, I think at the end of the day, you're saving them time. Just like you Mm -hmm. said, someone can post a job. They could probably spend the time finding the perfect person they want, but they don't want to spend the time doing it. Right. Yep. So I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, because there's tons of staff in recruiting companies. We we actually had an individual on here who runs Pathway Search, and they're very similar to you. Okay. Uh, They do more like finance and accounting roles, but headhunters. We're going to find you the person that fits that specific criteria of what you're looking for. It's just time. It comes down to time at the end of the day. But mm-hmm. I want to shift focuses here for a second because you mentioned Founders Live, which is really interesting. How difficult was it? Well, first of all, explain what Founders Live is. How difficult was it building that in Nashville having only been here for a year? Yeah, when we built it, I had been here for like four months, five months. We launched our first event in June, second event in September. We have another event. This is my little shameless plug, November 10th. And it is going to be a veterans themed event. It was all by accident. We didn't mean to do that. We just had put it the day before veterans day. And I saw it on my calendar because Google tells us what days everything is. And, uh, And I was like, oh, that's awesome. We should totally do a veterans one. So that's made it much harder to find five veteran founders. So if someone knows a good veteran founder, I have three committed, maybe four, three or four committed awesome companies. 
And I know you guys interviewed the CEO of Bunker Labs. That's what I was about to say. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And I've, t- I've talked to a couple of people at Bunker Labs and I reached out um, after listening to that podcast, which by the way, was awesome. Your guys' podcast is great. It really Appreciate is. It. So anyone who doesn't listen and hears this should continue to subscribe or whatever, because it's really great, especially if you're intrigued at all in the growth of Nashville business. Appreciate that. Um, and that was a, it was a fantastic episode. And so I reached out to him. So we're still trying to find a couple more for that event on November 10th. Essentially what it is, is if you think of the show Shark Tank, And this idea of you get five people who get to pitch or any pitch competition, but they're normally really stuffy and everyone's got a name tag. And it's like, oh, these people are here only for funding and these people are judges and everything else. This is, uh, I think, more networking event or frat party, you know, fun, hang out, spend an hour. We get some live music, have some fun. And then we have five founders that we go and find that get to pitch. They have 99 seconds to give their pitch. So they're like on the 80th floor going down to the first floor in the elevator, right? 99 seconds to pitch and then two minutes or four minutes of uh, Q&A with the audience. And then the audience votes and the winner moves on. And then we have international or national or regional and international events because it's currently operating in 80 cities worldwide, 25 countries. Um, It's awesome. And right now they're in their prime time season. So like, the person who won our Nashville, really, we're actually really excited from Versatour, Debbie Garcia. You guys should have her on. She's fantastic. She won and she's in the um, regional, the North American event. So she's one of the 10 finalists of the North American event coming up on the morning of November 10th will be her uh, pitch you know, it's a live stream. We do them in person in Nashville, but then when they do international and stuff, it's live stream. Right. So that's what we do. We got involved. The, the guy in Seattle, Nick Hughes, who runs it, reached out to Shane and myself and said, hey, I really want Nashville to get launched for what we're doing. I think it's a, a budding tech space and entrepreneurial and founders and startup space. I'd love for this thing to get launched to really grow the ecosystem. And we're like, that's awesome. So we did it. You asked how hard was it? Um, we are in the headhunting world, so we know how to go find people. So it's not terribly hard. It gets harder when you say they have to be a military veteran, but yeah, otherwise hasn't been too hard to find startups. There's a lot that goes into planning events and stuff like that with the, you know, catering people that are going to be there, speakers, moderators, you know, event staff, locations. What were, uh, what, what was some of the challenges that y'all were facing during this? Cause I'm sure something happened. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, so we do it out of the bank of America building is, uh, they, the uh, spaces, which is like a co-working space. They're a, um, sponsor. So they give us, it's awesome. It's 13th floor terrace overlooking Nissan stadium in the river. You guys should come. It's awesome. It's super cool location and venue. So everything's all that part was never hard putting on the event. I, I, I love doing that. I have no problem putting, you know, I love doing that kind of stuff. The thing for me is creating enough excitement and buzz to get people to come at 115 people or whatever at the two events. I'd love to get 300 people there because it would make it so electric and so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really just want to grow the Nashville ecosystem of startups, of founders, of people who are excited about 
these new startups like Routine that is raising money and um, HopDoc, which is going to be presenting in November, which is just a killer company kind of in the telehealth space, or Debbie Garcia, who's in hospitality management, but it's really a streaming platform for hospitality managers. And all of these cool companies that are going to really make Nashville grow and put Nashville on the tech scene like Austin is currently. Yep. Because we're about Austin 10 years behind. And hopefully this is going to help drive Nashville to be Austin in 2030. Yeah. I mean, you think that's possible? I mean, especially with all the companies moving here, I don't see why not. But I think it's the the Nashville market adopting that technology space, you know? If I can be real, Nashville is pretty old school from a tech standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I know a lot of people here who are in the tech space would get upset with me saying that, but it really is. It's, it's, it's very old frameworks. We'll call it the .NET framework kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. It's not the real cutting edge space, but it's becoming that. And these startups are utilizing a lot more cutting edge technology and need to continue to do so, whether it's AI, machine learning, or all the different frameworks that are coming out of mostly, you know, Silicon Valley, Seattle, Austin, maybe New York City, right? These new frameworks that are being built and being utilized, um, which is allowing Nashville to kind of modernize. But Nashville is known for healthcare. Healthcare is known for from a tech space because of security protocols and everything else, they tend to be pretty slow to adopt bleeding edge technology, not from a hardware stuff, right? Obviously they have MRI machines and everything that are crazy, but from a uh, software side of things tend to be pretty slow. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you look at the, the accelerated growth over just the last 10 years in Nashville, it's, it's fair to say that it's probably going to have its fair share of, growth in that, you know, innovative tech space here in the next five to 10 more years. Uh, oh, yeah. Just so much better state than California. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, and that's why it's, well, you saw even Tesla. Tesla just moved out and moved to Texas, right? And so yep. the, the hopes is that the, the people who are making some of the decisions, you know, from a, a uh, state standpoint, recognize to keep Tennessee the way it is, because that's what is creating. That's why, you know, companies like Oracle want to be here. It's not strictly the one deal that was made with Oracle that gave them some tax benefit or whatever. It's in general. And it's why the people are flooding here and the people are flooding Florida and the people are flooding Texas, you know, because it is a great, like I I talked to someone from one of the major fang companies, I won't mention who, who, move from California to Florida. And if you think about when you're working at Netflix or some of these large companies and you live in California, you personally not obviously property taxes a lot there, but really it's, you could pay up to 14% of your income into your um, state government. Right. And then your schools are pretty bad tend to be in California that you'd have to send your kids to private school. So it just gets so expensive and your cost of living is so high to live the life you want to live there, but you can live here for 70% of it. Wow. If I can get California income, but live my Tennessee life, I got it made. And so hopefully the, the powers that be here in Tennessee 
keep it the way it is. Cause yes, it will, like you said, trusty, it'll drive a massive amount of startups here, people here who are going to eventually, you know, maybe they'll work for Facebook in the new data center and then spin off mm-hmm. their own company, um, et cetera. Yeah. No, I, th- I think there's a lot of things about Nashville that are attractive. I think one, the, the, the environment is so different because you have your fun, you have Broadway, you have Nissan Stadium, you got sounds games, but you also have business and it's grown a lot. And I mean, I've been here, I'm born and raised. I've seen it grow. The Nashville, or the city has always been the city, but it's the outskirts that are really starting to develop. Yep. Oracle's coming to town. You know, Facebook is trying to build a data center in Gallatin, Tennessee, which Gallatin is not a great part of, of Sumner County, but if Facebook comes in, who it else will is be. going to follow them? It will be. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it will I, be because I, it's good paying jobs. And then the other part that you get in Nashville is you do get a really good Williamson County, mm-hmm. Wilson County. Th- those are areas where you can raise a family and still be close enough to the city that you can get into the city if your work's there. Or there's a lot of good good companies like Next Level and Brentwood or, you know, other really cool companies down in Franklin and stuff like that, that you can yeah. work at and live a, a good, comfortable life. I agree. Another thing people always say is follow the money. <clears throat> and if you just look at the, the skyline downtown, I mean, you've got a ridiculous amount of cranes out there. There's mm-hmm. lots of money in America going to the real estate market in Nashville. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a big driver. Yep. Yep. So I think Nashville, I think Nashville will continue to grow and outpace the national average. And I think places that, you know, sadly I left Chicago and I love it. I'm a Chicago native, always will be. Um, I'm hopeful that my White Sox can win. They're playing right now and, you know, take down the Astros. Um, But you got to go. And there's a lot of people. I know a lot of people who are leaving Chicago, people who are leaving New York, people who are leaving LA because they want to get to a place that's more affordable um, and just a, just a more conducive to, you know, growing their families and living a, a call it a more peaceful life. Yeah. Safer. From a financial perspective, it, it is more affordable. There's no state income tax, but some cases, not all cases, but in some cases you are getting salaries comparable to New York, Chicago, LA because of the companies, the companies that are here know, okay, we have to pay these people if we want them to stay with us. And I'm sure you see that a lot where, especially in the tech space, I'm sure you see some high dollars for positions of what they're willing to pay. Yep. And especially when it's remote. I mean, we've been able to get people who are Nashville residents working for companies based in some of the major tech hubs. And we've been able to get them pay commensurate to what they would make if they were living in, you know, Seattle or San Francisco or New York or um, Austin. And they're able to live in Nashville. Now the housing cost is starting to go up, but still the property tax here is is very reasonable. Um, It's actually low, no state income tax, like you said. So it is still a, um, it's still a much more affordable place than what we experienced up in Chicago. Yeah. Agreed. Taylor to switch gears real quick. You mentioned you got five kids Mm -hmm. and you're, you're obviously successful in the business world. Talk to us about balancing those, the work-life balance and and how are you able to do that successfully? Um, that is always the struggle, right? Like that's, that's, I, I look at it more like a, a journey than a destination of continuing to learn that. I think always having your priorities in line um, and making sure, 
at least from my perspective in, in my leadership window that I operate in, it's something that's important to me with the people I work with that I find I'm at my best when I am able to spend time with my kids and able to work out. And then I'm able to give my best to, you know, my job. I I actually, you know, as we were in the middle of a move and, and, you know, opening up our office here and everything else, and so busy that there were seven, eight, nine days in a row, I would go without working out. And I would just, it's like, I would lose my mind. I would just get so frustrated. Mm -hmm. And, and then I would be more irritable and everything else. And it was weird. It was nothing to do with work or my kids. Neither were bad, but I was in a very mentally bad place because I wasn't able to do it. And so I recognize that for myself. And so the people I'm around, it's the same thing. It's something that you have to do. There are portions of your life. For me, I won't be happy and good at my work if I'm not able to coach my kids' football team. You know, if I'm not able to cut out 30 minutes early on Mondays to get to my kids' football practice then I'm not going to be good here. And, and it's going to create a, a situation where I won't be able to be at my best. And I know everyone here is that same way. It's not like we can work from 11 to two every day and that's it. <laughs> you know, that'd be nice, but no. Um, so you just have to understand what is important in your life and make sure that you put those priorities. And I find, and what I've always coached, you've got to eliminate waste. That's why I don't have any social media. I'm not on Facebook, never have been. Um, I guess I'm on LinkedIn, but otherwise I'm not on social media. I don't watch a lot of TV unless it's like a really important show that that is my piece of entertainment for the day or week, but I don't just zone out and do nothing because that's wasted time. So I try to eliminate those stupid wastes of entertainment and instead make sure that when I'm not working, whatever form of entertainment, it's something that brings a lot of value to me, whether it's a workout, it's coaching my kids, it's date night with my wife, it's going to church. These are things that are really important. Mm -hmm. Um, Free time activities, any bit of free time I have, it needs to be filled with things that are great. Like you guys have eight month olds or young children, fill all your time with spending time with them and not like that stupid, like, Hey, I spent an hour looking at Instagram and I have no idea really what I did there. <laughs> you know? No, I, I, I agree. I, for me, I'm a very uh, OCD person. So my entire calendar is colored based off where I'm supposed to be at that given time. But I think the biggest thing there too is communication to make that calendar work. So there's going to be times where meetings run over or you have to do something professionally if you don't communicate that to your wife or your family, like they're going to get pissed because they expected something else out of you. So I think it's knowing where you're supposed to be that given time, communicating that and just sticking to it. And I agree. I can tell you how many times, and I I still do this sometimes um, where you just waste time doing nothing because you don't want to do anything. You're like, I'm tired. I don't know. I don't know what to do. So I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to scroll Instagram. I'm going to look at Facebook. I'm going to watch YouTube videos, which sometimes whatever it's okay. But I think, doing an audit of yourself of how much time are you actually wasting? You'd be surprised. So I think that that's the key to balance. And, and honestly, I think balance is even a bad word. I think it's um, Jeff Bezos talks about it. It's kind of cliche, but like work-life harmony of both kind of have to be together. They have to coexist. Mm-hmm. So I'll get one of my favorite phrases, how you do anything is how you do everything mm-hmm. because it, it matters. If, if you approach your family with like, Hey, you're just, 
I'll get to you when I get to you. Well, then that's really how you approach everything, right? Mm -hmm. If you approach your workouts with like, well, I know I I was supposed to do four sets of 10, but I'm just, I'm tired today. So I'll do three sets of whatever I can, I don't care. Then that's really how you're going to approach everything. So how you do anything is how you do everything. There really isn't work. And I've never, I don't think I work when I'm here. I'm just at my office versus at my house. Like it's just, it's just part of my 24 hour day. Right. You know, I think is, is a lot of how I view things. And you mentioned in there a really, I think an important word is an audit. So I do believe in tracking and, you know, analytics really help you understand what you're doing. So you say you audit yourself. How do you audit ways to tell, like, how do you, what, what is, I'll give you one of my tips. I'm seeing if you give, do you have any good tips of how you audit Mm-hmm. wasted time or things that you do in your life. So at the end of every work day, I have it blocked out 545 to six. It's called my end of day debrief slash planning. And first thing is reflect on how the day went. And that can go any direction, right? Oh, it was good. I was tired today. Uh, stayed up late last night. I could, I could feel that, you know, two or three in the afternoon, you know, whatever, just be there. I then go to my calendar and I look at my white, the white space on the calendar. Okay, what did I do in that white space? And and during the day, I'll I'll typically try to move around. I'll time block different things I'm working on. I only work on three things outside of meetings, three things a day, because I'm a big believer. If I do too much, I'm not I'm not really focused. So three three things a day, and typically throughout the day, as meetings you know end early or they get canceled or rescheduled, I'll move those time blocks around, saying, okay, you know, I'm not supposed to start this for 30 minutes. I'm going to start it now. But at the end of the day, I look at the white space and say, what did I do? I also look at the time on my phone because it tells you how long you were on your phone. Sometimes it's for work. You know, we are, we do post on social media a lot. I do respond to clients a lot via text. I'm on email on my phone a lot. Um, that's how I audit it. And it's just every day, just making a conscious effort of don't pick up my phone unless I absolutely need to. Because yep. I'm a big believer that when I'm on my phone, it's so much easier to get on, on social media. It's, it's you scroll. Yeah. I'm not going to look at Instagram and Facebook on my computer because it's not aesthetically pleasing to me. Yep. So it's always don't pick up my phone unless I absolutely need to. I have no notifications on my phone other than calls, texts, uh, not even emails, just calls and texts. That's it. Same so that re- reduces me from getting distracted of, hey, I don't have to pick up my phone because it's not buzzing. It, there's no notifications on my screen right now. Let's see. So why, why would I pick it up? There's nothing That's in there to look at. So that's how I do it. But that works for me. And it took me a while to get to that point. And I think what people have to do is like that word audit. Just because I'm saying this is how I do it doesn't mean that's going to work for you. It's every single day, audit yourself. Okay, what am I responding to? How, how can I prepare myself for the next day? And how can I keep myself accountable? And it's just testing, testing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's again, it's tracking, it's auditing. So mm-hmm. I've lost 80 pounds twice in my life. I lost it and then I found it and then I, oh, I lost it again. <laughs> and I I'm, I'm a hundred pounds lighter than I was at my heaviest. Again, I played college football. So I was 300 plus pounds for many times of my life. And the only way I truly know how to lose weight in a good fashion quickly is by writing everything down that I eat. And I did it before the apps. I used to handwrite it all. Now, now there's my fitness pal and all the rest. So audits, I think are really important. One thing I teach my kids, cause I learned this, I had Back in the very early onset of smartphones, I had a trio. There was a solitaire game. And, you know, you just played on the plane or you play wherever. But then I at one point found settings and it showed me how much time. And it was something like 147 hours and 33 minutes. 
And it blew my mind. It was some astronomical number that I thought to myself, if I put 147 hours or 2020 hours or whatever it is into something else, what could I accomplish? And I deleted the game from my phone and I never played again because of that. Because again, it wasn't an important piece. If, if video games are important, that's great. We recruit for those companies. Make it an important and fun activity then to play Madden or play Smite or whatever you're playing. So my kids, I do the same thing. I, I take their phones and I show them. I don't put something on their phone like, hey, you're not allowed to play a video game or you're not allowed to do this or do that. But I show them and every couple of days I pull up their phone and I go to, like you said, the battery and you can look how much time was spent on YouTube, how much time was spent on Chrome, how much time was, and you'll look and throughout a week, I'll show them, hey, 14 hours was put into YouTube. What if you just took seven of those hours and you put those into a workout in the, in our gym, in our garage. And it really does. It, it sets in for them like, wow, how much better could I be at basketball or football or stronger or whatever it is? If I just applied that time to things that were really important to me, which my kids right now are pretty heavy into sports. So that's important to them or studying or practicing the flute or whatever mm -hmm. it is they want to do. So no, I, I agree. I agree. It's just, it's just being self-aware. And I think mm -hmm. it's, I think it's wanting to get better at it too. I yep. think if you don't care that you waste time, then I don't try this exercise. But <laughs> I think people in our positions genuinely care, right? right. Saying, hey, I, I need all the time I can get because that's way more valuable than money or anything else. I, I need all the time I can get. So it's, it's auditing yourself. But yep. Taylor, as we close here, we've talked about a lot and it's been a really good conversation, but you mentioned that there's a lot of startups that either are moving to Nashville or will move to Nashville. And being in your spot of placing talent for technology startups, how can these companies be successful in Nashville? Um, first off, come to Next Level and we'll help staff for you guys. But <laughs> Shameless what, plug. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, what can they do? I think get themselves plugged in in any way, shape or form into the, the community here whether that's going to the EC, if you're an entrepreneur, the Entrepreneur Center, or coming to Founders Live, and, and we'll let you guys pitch, which gives a lot of exposure, or reaching out to you, Brady and Trusty, to just, you know, get them plugged in. That's what we started doing is just reached out to people and just said, hey, can we just go grab coffee? Yep. And you'd be amazed at how many people down here. One thing that we love about it here, myself and Shane both, is how friendly everyone is. Mm -hmm. The second we met you know, John Kepley, John Kepley's like, Hey, you need to talk to Jerry Rollins, who, by the way, you've had on your podcast. Right. Yeah. Awesome, so then yeah. I, I'm, so I just reached out to Jerry and said, Hey, Jerry, would you mind talking? And he was like, let's go grab coffee. I was just going to give him a call. Um, and so we sat down and had like a two hour breakfast and he was like the coolest guy. And it just, again, when I'm like four weeks into being here, just made me so much more comfortable with the area. And then you'd be amazed at how many people are here that are willing to help, willing to mm -hmm. point you in the right direction. It's the whole point. Again, I'm just trying to be a part of it with Founders Live. It, we don't get paid for it. It's free for people to come. We just want to give more opportunities for people to come and meet people in whatever industry they're in and be a part of it um, and just network. And there's a lot of those opportunities out there because everyone here is so excited about Nashville. It's a difference in Chicago. Everyone we knew was saying, when my kids graduate, I'm moving out. When I kids, everyone was always like, they had their date of when they could leave Chicago here. Everyone's like, no, I love it. I'm never going anywhere. Yep. 
And they are so excited to welcome people here as long as those people coming are ready to embrace Tennessee, ready to embrace the, the Nashville way. They want more and more people. So it's, it's pretty easy to get plugged in if you just go and say, hey, can you point me in the right direction? You'll have 12 people pointing you in directions real fast. If, you're, if you come down here nice and, and ask for help, people are really ready to help. Yep. Um, and so that, that would be my, my biggest piece of advice is just find any and everyone in the area and just say, hey, would you mind pointing me in the right direction? And you will get advice every single time and people who are really excited to get you connected with someone else. I love it. No, I love it. You're exactly right. Just getting plugged in and, and Founders Live, like you said, is a great way. It's November 10th. November 10th is our next event. And uh, if you go to Eventbrite, you'll be able to grab a free ticket or whatever. You do need that to get in the building security. And it's free drinks, free entertainment, free pitch. And every person there that you get to to meet who engineers at Asurion to VCs to angel investors to just people who want to come and grab a drink after work. Love it. Love it. Where can people find you? I know LinkedIn. What what can Uh, they reach out to you about specifically? Uh, I just like being connected, especially if they're in Nashville. I just like being connected to everyone here. I'm happy to go grab coffee with people. Um, next, it, it's next level without an E. So it's nxtlevel.io is our website. But really, you know, I'm looking more to just be connected with people in Nashville because I still am new. I'm one year in. I am so thankful to meet both of you guys, two cool guys, new fathers, which is the greatest role you guys can have. Um, and just be connected. And like, I'm happy to help if I can help someone who's listening and they're like, Hey, just point me in a direction of someone who, you know, is in the engineering space here. I'll give mm-hmm. you 25 people I've met since I've been here. Or if you guys, you know, like I said, you guys should reach out to Debbie Garcia. She's a fantastic entrepreneur whose business has grown. And I can give you 20 other people to have on this show who are really vibrant personalities from the area. So it's just people down here are nice and fun reach out to me on LinkedIn is the easiest way. Like I said, I'm not on Facebook or Instagram. So. Love it. Yeah. Well guys, reach out to Taylor on LinkedIn, connect with them and then check out founders live November 10th. You're not going to regret it. Taylor, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. Thank you, Brady. Thank you, trusty. Um, this is a ton of fun. And again, kick butt with your uh, being dads. It's the coolest it. role you got. Thanks Taylor. Thanks Taylor. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Nash biz podcast. We post new episodes every single week, and we'd greatly appreciate if you would subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'll catch you next time.